Welcome to the Reroll Multiple Martial Arts Podcast, where we discuss the intersections between martial arts, society, and culture. I'm Elliot. I'm Danny. And Danny, what's been on your mind? What do you want to talk about today? Uh, I think we can start by talking about the recent Conor McGregor fight and um, just bring board on some, some things that I was thinking was kind of interesting. It had to do with the way that the different fighters, uh, how they respond right before the fight is stopped or right before there's a determination of who's going to win. And I think I've been catching a pattern. I'm not really sure uh, if it's fair to say that I, I fully understand or have a, a definite take on Conor McGregor, but I feel there's a pattern that I've caught on him. And I was curious if you thought it might be interesting to kind of chip away at our observations of fighters you know their behavior what it says about um maybe their business savvy or their personal position on fighting or their quote-unquote will to fight what was your um analysis on connor this is poirier hey i thought it was a good fight um uh at the very beginning i thought connor had a good control his his techniques were beautiful his his range amazing his kicks clean i mean the dude's got got some great martial arts and then little by little got chopped and got taken down and called it he he doesn't quit but he knew that he was out and he basically was like stop the fight you know um and that to me was unique because i've seen this before when when, when he's losing he's like ah, i'm done and I think it has to do with, at minimum, that he's a business person. He knows I don't need to take damage. I already lost, and getting hurt more doesn't do me any good. So he's being strategic, and he doesn't play the game that says I will get hurt in the octagon in order to save face. There was a, a moment in time where early fighters would say, I'm going to die in the octagon. I don't think he's that dude. He's like, I'm not dying in the octagon. So, um, so for example, if someone usually gets wobbled, sometimes they'll shoot for a, for a takedown, kind of like a, I know, help me, like last, last case scenario, but he doesn't, he, he knew his leg was compromised. He got wobbled and he's like, you know what, this is over. I'm not, not going to come, come back from this. Is that something that, you know, you're talking about? Yeah, that's what I felt like. He he was fully aware of everything. And that's what I mean about giving him credit as being a business person, a technician, a professional. That I mean, that makes sense. Like he's not there to like just impress people and then get permanently injured. You know, he's well, at minimum, he has a career. And then he also has a family and his own body to take care of. So he doesn't owe anybody anything like that. But I noticed that other fighters, maybe they're, they're not like him. They they take punishment to the point that they will be permanently injured. Oh. And I wonder if that is something that gives us insight to who they are as people, as like, fighters. Like, like Tony Ferguson, like doesn't want to give up at all. That that was that was you know him versus Gagey, man. That would have would have uh, it was hard to watch. That was brutal. I mean, I felt bad for him i was like stop this fight um 
Max Holloway on, against the other dude. I forgot who he was. He was getting beat up pretty ugly too. And uh, oh yeah, Hater. Yeah. Yeah, Max. Oh man, I, I'm a huge fan of Max after that performance. What a performance! Goodness. I was I was like watching the fight and um, telling you know the people in the room like why doesn't the yeah why doesn't the what you would call it the the referee stop it you know mm-hmm. and then they were like no because you know he could still fight I'm like yeah but he shouldn't mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not gonna win yeah the commentators were saying that you know why doesn't the corner just throw it in unless he gets a knockout he's gonna lose he's gonna it's just a beating so but yeah i you know it's it's funny because you know you, you're saying that connor's a businessman and you know the, the, the one of the famous things was when he was getting beat on the ground by khabib you know khabib's like oh you want to talk we're talking now and then connor's like it's just business man it's just business and khabib's like yeah wh- whatever man like he said he seemed like he was just saying that um Khabib thought that Connor was just saying that so he wouldn't get beat as bad, like a scared boy when his father's <laughs> in the hands of his father or something like that. I was like, oh man, yeah. So so it is it is very businessy, and you know he, Connor does it well. You know he's not the best uh, right now, but people still he's still one of the most famous, and people regard him as the best. And so. Hmm. But that's a distinction, and it's a maybe it's a good distinction for the sport. Um, we've been talking a lot between about the distinction between martial arts as a practice, philosophy, and some of the other spaces that we see it, such as mixed martial arts, and the difference of it. And I think maybe that's something that uh, we can probably identify here that like. Conor McGregor, we've seen him play the game of the profession, which is like, I need to get seats, uh, tickets to be purchased, and I need to create buzz around it. I need to get some type of traction, some spark. And he uses almost any opportunity. And some of them are pretty low, you know, like talking about someone's family, not cool. He didn't invent that. There was this one horrible video I saw with a fighter. I don't know if it's Mayorga. Like he literally grabbed the the butt of someone's wife. Mm, that's not cool. And she's crying. No, it's a, a horrible video. Like I was thinking like that dude should have gotten reported for assault, mm-hmm. you know, to the police. He shouldn't have fought at all because this, this incident happened like during the weigh-ins, like the day before type of thing. I was like, no, that would have been enough. Pull him off. I don't know how much you get for that, but definitely he sh- that should be an assault charge and taken you know, to the legal system. That's how I would take it. Mm-hmm. And instead it became part of the banter, like tomorrow I'm going to kick your ass. And, and I don't know how, how this developed afterwards, but the little that I saw, I was like, yeah, this is what they did. They were trying to get buzz. He took it to a place that he should not have. And I feel Conor McGregor has done something like that in the past, but to the point that reveals the distinction between him as a martial artist and him as a professional fighter who uses martial arts. Mm. So um, 
So, okay. So, so you, so Carmen McGregor as a professional fighter and a professional showman and knowing how to work a crowd versus, you know, cause it's funny because, you know, I've, I've been listening to some of the podcasts and, you know, hearing people like Kale Sonnen, you know, who is also really good at, you know, engaging an audience and how he was actually uh, talking about how, you know, certain fighters, for example, like uh, Daniel Cormier, you know, Chael's like, okay, in this situation, he should have said this, this, and that to hype the crowd and, you know, uh, you know, silence all, all, all the haters or just talk mad trash, but he didn't. And, you know, it's it just, he didn't take that opportunity when he had it. And so there is a sense of, and, and just like uh, Dustin Poirier, he had the chance to talk mad trash on Connor when, when, when he beat him. But, you know, he didn't, he took the high road and it was nice. I'm like, no, that's not the way you'd sell tickets, man. And so, you know, he, even though Dustin won, Connor's still, I guess, still more famous. And so there is that fine line. And I, I, I hate to say it, you know, like, yeah, UFC has become a little bit like um, WWF. I mean, you see, uh, you know, I see some of those fake uh, pushes and, you know, trash talk and all that but I don't know, how, how do you how do you how does a how does a in your opinion how does a fighter balance that trash talking and respect because I, I still like to see that martial arts respect I don't you know yeah sometimes when you you know you knock a person out you immediately hug them I you know just give that person some space you know, get, 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 let, let that let the guy think of, give him some space but what, what is the balance? Or at least where do you see that balance? Well, I was talking to this uh, this guy that I, I'm working with. And by coincidence, we both had trained in Shotokan Karate. And we started talking shop. And then we got into the subject of MMA. His perspective is different than mine. He didn't appreciate MMA. I like it, you know. But his perspective was that MMA was very disrespectful. It was not a martial art. And maybe that's the difference. I don't think MMA is a martial art. MMA as a, as a sport entertainment activity, definitely I don't think it's a martial art. MMA as the, the space where different martial arts were um, blended into something that's called multiple martial arts that some people use to fight professionally. Could be. And maybe I'm splitting words, but I hope that the context is, is somewhat clear. So I, I think MMA can become a martial art. And one of the things that characterizes for me a martial art is the fact that this tradition is rooted in combat and Having said that it is rooted in combat, um, a lot of them are rooted in a military context and expresses the hierarchy and control and discipline that is required to maintain such violence under control. Wait, you're talking, is this martial arts in general or? Martial arts in general. Okay. okay. Like for example, why is it that if I take Muay Thai I bow to my crew and I show respect to my crew. Why can't I just slap them around and play around and like put them in a headlock and just say, ah, oh, I was joking. 
because the crew says, you can't do that. If I do that, I lose control of the space. And what kind of chaos would I be left with managing all these violent kids? <laughs> I don't know. You know, that I, I want to say this, especially me sounding like I'm doing an anthropology class. I believe there is an adaptive feature built in to traditional martial arts, which shows respect, something that we call maybe humbleness um, that is part of the control measures. And I feel that MMA does as a, as an activity that is taught in, in spaces hasn't gotten there yet. And someone is trying to reject it, but MMA as a sport, as a entertainment business, I don't think it needs it. So it, it throws it away. You can hug at the end, but if you don't hug, nothing happens. So I think that's the distinction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so, okay. So we're talking about training and the will to fight. And so, you know, I mean, yeah, heart is a big thing. I think, um, where do people draw the line with, okay. Well, yeah. Where do people draw the line with like throwing in the towel or keeping on going and risk getting beat up? Or, I mean, you know, where do you think that, 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 how do people balance that? Because like you said, you know, we have to be really, uh, be really careful of, you know, things like CTE, you know, a lot of these, you know, former professional fighters there is really sad. And I've seen, you know, some documentaries on, on some of these people who suffer from, you know, amnesia and, you know, short-term memory loss. And it's really, um, and, and, they're not being taken care of. It's it's like it's like NFL again. For me, it has to do with what we what we were just talking about earlier. The distinction between martial arts and the philosophy, the Budo, if you're into like a Japanese martial art, Small and the, the ego pride. Yeah, and the Bushido, you know, the Budo or Bushido practice versus the business sector, which is about something different. And I, when I heard you pose that question, I think about the distinction between fighting for your life and saving face as a entertainer, as a professional. And it's fair to say this. Some people are not able to separate them or don't want to separate them. It's one and the same. Some people will say, I will die in the ring. Others know that there's a difference. Like if I say I don't want to fight anymore because I want to be able to be okay for my family, I may be called a loser, a clown, a a scaredy cat, whatever you want to call me. And maybe I lost face. But I understand that in the long term, I wasn't fighting for my life. It wasn't a real risk. It's one that I chose to commit myself for a paycheck. And at any point when I knew the outcome was against me, like there is no way I'm getting out of here without more injury. I should be able to say, dude, good one. You beat me. I'm out. So, so I think uh, a lot of this is rooted in maybe hyper-masculinity. Like I need to be tough until the very end, even though, and, and keep face until, even if it risks my health, um, w- would you say that it is rooted in, you know, because it, it is, there's a lot of tough guy attitude, 
um, a lot of, you know, machismo that's not healthy at the end of the day for anybody except for the people being entertained. And yeah, I see sometimes I see, yeah, I see fighters who get beat up and I'm like, just the corner needs to just throw in the towel and just, just do it. Yeah, I feel there's a little bit of, well, just the entanglement, right, between how the sport is an expression of the larger social context that it belongs in. Because I see even like um, women fighters go into this moment where they are just getting beat and no one's tapping out. You know, they're, they're going to take the punches. They're not, because you can tap out just because someone's beating you, you know, so that like when I saw the fight with, with uh, Conor McGregor, when he falls down, look at his arm. I almost feel like he's kind of going, dude, stop it. You know, like he, he doesn't, he, he doesn't get a tap out from his TKO, but the way he falls and the way he is body, he wasn't e- even protecting himself. He was more like, ah, this is it. We stop it here. You don't think he got knocked out? He just kind of got wobbled really hard and was, you know. Well, he got hurt, but he got hurt. No, he didn't get knocked out. In fact, you can see him sit up right afterwards, and it's almost the same face when he fought Khabib and he tapped out. He knows how to call it quits. And, And I'm not calling him a quitter. I'm saying as a business person, he knows this is it. I know that he beat me. Why should I take more damage just for the fun of it? I don't think so. Dang, man. <laughs> you're get, you're, you know, that, that kind of gives me, Connor, a little bit more respect and, and some more like long-term vision, you know, for his own career. Because, um, <laughs> you know, hearing a lot of other people say, you know, yeah, you know, I'm glad he got knocked out, you know, that loud mouth. And sure, you know, Sure, why not? But um, I, I, you know, the, the another person who I think sells really well, um, similar to Connor, is Nate Diaz. You know, he's he, he's a he's a top tier. He's a good fighter. You know, among the top tier, but he's famous, and even though he hasn't fought in a year, he still brings in money, and knows how to talk trash, talks trash to everybody on Twitter. Well, I think the idea of talking trash is probably part of that same type of trend that you were identifying, whether like, you know, what is the role? That is what, or not what is the role, but how does MMA stack up or compare to martial arts as a field? And in martial arts, very few schools and traditions appreciate or even teach um, to be boastful, to be cocky, to be arrogant, to be a bully. None of them. Is this a UFC thing then? A very American thing because one championship is a little, is more humble. It's more, you know, warrior spirit and, you know, less, uh, much less trust. Trash talk, a lot more respect. Then, but but this, that is also MMA. So, should we make a dis- distinction between the different, I guess, MMA camps or, or or organizations that promote different things? 
I think we should be aware that MMA is a sport slash business and that these people have to learn to comply to expectations. I don't think they should, but I feel that they feel the pressure too. So that we saw um, people transform their images, become characters like in yeah, like in the entertainment wrestling venues to sell tickets. And I'm not naming names because I don't want to give that dude any credit. But uh, everyone knows just how silly the dude was like ridiculous. Like he started paying people to pose with him, you know, Anyway, all of that stuff, and for the people that follow, you know who I'm talking about. But I, I'm just kind of still tripping on the fact that I felt embarrassed. Like at one point, I told everyone around me, I am not paying a single dollar to watch this dude. Even though I wanted people to beat him, I was like, I will not pay. Because I was so upset that the, the sport had gone into such silliness. It felt silly. And... And what felt silly was that the other fighters were responding. Like if I'm a clown in makeup and you start laughing, yeah. I'm, I'm doing my job. But if you tell me like, dude, stop being a clown, take off that makeup, I might just go, you're right. I, there's another way of talking to you. Um, and I think that's where we're at. We're at, we're at this point in the, in the sport where many of us that follow the, the traditional martial arts that that take people to the sport get a little bit frustrated you know i mean for example like when i when i tell you that if i go to my crew uh and and just ask not ask act disrespectful he won't let me train mm -hmm. and even if i say but I'm going to get people to buy the tickets to that next Saturday amateur match. You'll be like, dude, get out of here. I don't want that kind of student in my dojo. They don't call it dojo, but in my gym. I can't think of where they would fly. Nowhere. Even if I went to like a wrestling camp, I'm pretty sure the coaches want respect and they want respect among their peers too. I think you're, I think you're right. I think it, there definitely is, um, you know, I, I don't mind the hierarchy, um, you know, partially, you know, I, I was training with, um, I had a, um, a guru, okay, um, when, when I was training uh, Kali, Filipino martial arts, and he said that, you know, he puts a sense of, he has to, like you said, he has to have that um, hierarchy not have to, but like he puts a, a sense of super seriousness in his, in his, um, in his gym, in his classes, because he's teaching an art that can seriously injure or kill somebody. And he says that, you know, with, with, because he's teaching such a serious thing, everything has to be serious. You know, it's not fun and games, you know, because we're, we're training in, you know, in weapons and other forms of combat. And, you know, I, I think there, there, like like you said, you know, there is a this distinction between different types of martial arts and sports. You know, and, and combat sports is sports. You know, no one's, you know, uh, for the most part, you know, no one's gonna die in the ring for the most part. Um, fortunately, you know, sometimes things happen. You know, um, but 
you know, and, and like you said, you know, in, in a ring, it's controlled. In real life, you know, anything goes, anything goes. And so um, I really like, you know, your analysis and, and where you're coming from, because it, it, it does like, you know, um, it brings out a lot of these memories that I've had um, or, or, or takes me to these, to these memories. Yeah, no, I think that's where we're at right now. Just kind of thinking about, you know, observing these moments within the ring. And I think um, what we can really identify is how people read those moments. So I was reading um, the last McGregor fight as something that I caught as a pattern where, where he was able to call it right at the right moment, like stop it here. And some people will be, will see that and critique him and say, oh, what a coward, what a wuss, whatever you want to disparage him with. I was saying, wow, what a great business person. He can distinguish the moment that he shifts from like, I'm going to get hurt. I don't need to get hurt. Think about this. Watch, for example, imagine you're in a race car and you don't have money to necessarily like just immediately replace the car. But there's moments where you're about to burn out the engine. You probably would just pull over. You're going to lose anyway. But you're like, no, the crowd wants me to light this engine on fire. No, you wouldn't do that. And if you did that, you hurt your own business. Do you have enough money to get another engine? And I'm trying to use a comparison of sports and maybe it works. But that's what I feel was happening. And I think as a spectator, you think something different. You think that's a, in a real fight, you don't give up. And I was like, maybe in a real fight, but this is not a real fight. <laughs> These are professionals fighting for our entertainment for money. With that said, this has been the Reroll Multiple Martial Arts Podcast where we, inter- where we discuss the intersections between martial arts, society, and culture. Until next time, peace.